Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 15, The Day of the Lord, Part 4. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Please note, I have two things of note. First, I wish to say that the death of Queen Elizabeth II is a great loss for our English listeners, no matter where you live. She had a 75% approval rating, which is the highest held by anyone who serves people as a leader. May God be with you in your time of loss, whether you are related to her, a friend, or a citizen. May God be with you all in this profound time of loss. May God bless you all. Secondly, and simply news from this podcast. Last week, we had a solid state drive, or SSD, failure in our recording computer. We have that computer operating system completely installed on a portable USB hard drive. This allows me to do all the things I need to do to produce any episode of this podcast. Simply plug it in and go is all I have to do. We lost one day that was easily made up for, thus keeping our podcast delivery on schedule. Enjoy our podcast. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we posted our episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 14, The Day of the Lord, Part 3, on September 4th. In that episode, we found a clear definition of asleep and awake. On this subject, remember, being asleep is being unattentive to anything requiring your personal attention. Even in everyday life, we need to be attentive to things, awake, for an approaching outcome, especially if that forthcoming outcome is uncertain. Whether certain or uncertain, that is the reason we need to be awake or alert to the outcome. In this case, Jesus returned for his people before the tribulation period begins. What is certain is that he is coming for his bride or children. What is uncertain is the day and time when it will happen. We also learn that when, quote, they, end quote, shall say there is peace and safety or peace and security, as some Bibles read, That is when the Apostle here refers only to those on whom, quote, sudden destruction, end quote, will come. This is the commonality between the days just before the flood and the days now just before the hidden return of Christ for his people. In other words, his hidden return for his people just before 
To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 13, The Day of the Lord, Part 2. In our next to last episode, we finish examining the day of the Lord in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We see this passage is rich with a wealth of knowledge for us to further glean. This week we will start in verse 6 for continuity. We read, So then, we must not sleep as the rest, but must stay alert and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we are of the day, we must stay sober by putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, our hope for salvation. For God did not destine us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are alert or asleep, we will come to life together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other, just as you are in fact doing. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Given what we have studied thus far, this may have a confusing ring to it. First, we need to notice that three forms of sleep are being referenced here. One that speaks of inattention being the same as asleep. Secondly, where people sleep for the needed rest all people need. The other sleep mentioned is that which means being dead and buried. I will take a moment to help define this in this passage. First, notice verse 6. It read, So then we must not sleep as the rest, but must stay alert and sober. The sleep referred to here is that of inattention, not the needed nighttime sleep. It is defined by the phrase after the comma that reads, but must stay alert and sober. Staying alert is easily understandable. However, what does the word sober mean? At first read, the obvious reference is to not get drunk. However, sober means more than that despite the fact sobriety is also meant. Sober also means habitually temperate as a sober man. Live a sober, righteous, and godly life. Not mad or insane, not wild, visionary, or heated with passion. Having the regular exercise of cool, dispassionate reason. Regular, calm, not under the influence of passion as sober judgment, a man in his sober senses, serious, solemn, grave. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. The word use in this Bible context means not only not being drunk, but, simply stated, of a clear mind and heart. If we are to live a, quote, righteous and godly life, end quote, we need both a clear or sober mind and heart. We are to not be mad, insane, wild, visionary, or heated with passion. We are to live a sober, 
righteous, and godly life. Now, notice this. Visionary? What does visionary mean in this usage that seems so out of place? Visionary also means having the nature of fantasies or dreams, existing in imagination only, characterized by or given to apparitions, given to daydreams or reverie, not practicable or realizable, utopian, one who is given to impractical or speculative ideas. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. The last definition of visionary most aptly defines its usage in the statement we just read. For clarity, we noted we are not to be mad, insane, wild, visionary, or heated with passion. Or it could be said this way we are not to be mad, insane, wild, given to impractical or speculative ideas, or heated with passion. These are all things that our Bibles encourage us not to be. Yes, one can be passionate about things, but the passion that is spoken of here is that passion associated with sinful lust. That is where the difference is between being passionate about something and having lustful passion. By example, I was long ago passionate about cars. I did just about everything one can do with cars. I was a first-class computer mechanic when cars became computer-controlled. I did not let that passion become lustful, meaning my passion for cars did not override more important things in life. After feeling a bit lost, in the top of my career, I turned my passion for cars into a passion for computers. I learned what was needed to know and pursued a high-paying career in computers. I am now able to solve issues on computers for business and homeowners in Microsoft Windows, Apple computers, and the Linux operating system. I install these operating systems, repair them, as well as computer hardware, too. Bottom line, that is a good passion as long as it does not override the other important things in one's life. Such a passion as this only becomes sinful when it rules your life. I have diverted only to be clear that there are good passions and there are, as our Bibles say, evil passions. Nonetheless, be sober. It properly means to be temperate or abstinent, especially in respect to wine. Then it is used in a more general sense as meaning to be sober-minded, watchful, circumspect. In this passage, there is an allusion to the fact that persons not only sleep in the night, but that they are frequently drunken in the night also. The idea is that the Lord Jesus, when he comes, will find the wicked sunk not only in carnal security, but in sinful indulgences, and that those who are Christians 
ought not only to be awake and to watch as in the daytime, but to be temperate. They ought to be like persons engaged in the sober, honest, and appropriate employments of the day, and not like those who waste their days in sleep and their nights in revelry. A man who expects soon to see the Son of God coming to judgment ought to be a sober man. No one would wish to be summoned from a scene of dissipation to his bar. And who would wish to be called there from the ballroom, from the theater, from the sense of brilliant worldly amusement? The most enjoyable bottery of the world, the most accomplished and flattered and joyous patron of the ballroom, the most richly dressed and admired daughter of vanity, would tremble at the thought of being summoned from those brilliant halls where pleasure is now found to the judgment bar. They would wish to have at least a little time that they might prepare for so solemn a scene, but if so, as this event may at any moment occur, why should they not be habitually sober-minded? Why should they not aim to be always in that state of mind which they know would be appropriate to meet him? Especially should Christians live with such vigilance and soberness as to be always prepared to meet the Son of God. What Christian can think it appropriate for him to go up to meet his Savior from the theater, the ballroom, or the brilliant worldly party? A Christian ought always so to live that the coming of the Son of God in the clouds of heaven would not excite the least alarm. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Barnes said quite a bit. Let us break down his analogy to better understand what he is telling us. First, we obtained a better understanding for sober. We found it means more than the obvious sobriety we first think of when we read or hear the word sober used. We also learned the fuller meaning of this word beyond the obvious meaning of sobriety. Barnes also notes this greater definition for sober. Notice how this commentary passage of Barnes opened. Be sober. It properly means to be temperate or abstinent, especially in respect to wine. Then it is used in a more general sense as meaning to be sober-minded, watchful, circumspect. So, not only sober, meaning not drunk, but also sober-minded, watchful, and circumspect, meaning the Lord Jesus, when he comes, will find the wicked sunk not only in carnal security, but in sinful indulgences, and that those who are Christians ought not only to be awake and to watch as in the daytime, but to be temperate. Meaning that God's children should not only be sober as in not drunk with wine, but of a sober mind, 
being watchful for Christ's return for us and heedful of circumstances and potential consequences, prudent and circumspect. They ought to be like persons engaged in the sober, honest, and appropriate employments of the day, and not like those who waste their days in sleep and their nights in revelry. While there has always been some, in my part of the world, who not only like sleep, but do sleep until late in the day, they also do as little as possible when it comes to work. The financial return that they get for the little work they do is spent at night in revelry and drunkenness. I know this is true because some people I have known lived exactly this way, and it killed some of them. Some died with a liquor bottle in their mouth. Other people I have known died of self-inflicted drug overdose. That was part of my cruel reality in my days of youth and into my young adulthood. So, beware of what this passage and commentary is telling us while we now move on. No one would wish to be summoned from a scene of dissipation. They would wish to have at least a little time that they might prepare for so solemn a scene. But if so, as this event may at any moment occur, why should they not be habitually sober-minded? Why should they not aim to be always in that state of mind which they know would be appropriate to meet him? especially? Should Christians live with such vigilance and soberness as to be always prepared to meet the Son of God? What Christian can think it appropriate for him to go up to meet his Savior from the brilliant worldly party? In some ways, the parable of the ten virgins comes to mind here, for this is the modern equivalent of the ten brides or ten virgins depending on how your Bible reads. Even when all had fallen into blissful sleep, five were always ready and five were not. Granted, it is an additional item that should be found in our memories with these echoing words from commentary. Now, before we go any further, let us get something clear. Notice this comment. And who would wish to be called there from the ballroom, from the theater, from the scene of brilliant, worldly amusement? Therein is the difference. There are good scenes for dancing, the theater, or other places we attend for good and sensible fun and or entertainment. Such scenes or places of these types of entertainment are also found in less than acceptable places of sinful actions designed to fleece those who use such entertainment with their hard-earned money. However, this fleecing is not done by means of force. It is craftfully designed to tickle a person's lusts and pleasures so they willfully indulge themselves at their own expense. Those offering such services are more than happy to take a person's money for themselves. 
being sober-minded helps one in this regard as well as in other such circumstances. Barnes also told us, A Christian ought always so to live that the coming of the Son of God in the clouds of heaven would not excite the least alarm. In other words, we should be excited in a joyful way, which is not alarm. This usage of the word, quote, alarm, end quote, means sudden affrightment. So, we could read that comment this way. A Christian ought always so to live, that the coming of the Son of God in the clouds of heaven would not excite the least sudden affrightment, or alarm. Again, the coming of the Son of God in the clouds of heaven should not cause alarm, sudden affrightment, but instead sudden great joy. Continuing in Scripture, But since we are of the day, we must stay sober by putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet our hope of salvation. I think it is very clear in verse 8 that there are two basic requirements for us who are in the day. We need to put on, one, the breastplate of faith and love, two, put on the helmet of our hope for salvation. Thinking of armor typically worn in those biblical days for physical battle, notice what these two pieces of armor protect. One for the heart and one for the mind. These are the two areas of the human that cause us to make or break anything. We can know something 100%, know that it is the right thing. Then what we feel changes what we think. The obverse is also true, where we can fully have a heart understanding, and something we think can cause us to also lose what our heart had a hold on. This means we need to apply God's armor to our thoughts, our minds, and our emotions, our hearts. Do you see why God's armor is not for doing human-to-human battle? This spiritual armor is for our own protection. It is defensive armor and not aggressive armor. We do not mount God's battles for Him. We merely defend ourselves so we do not lose what we think and, in our hearts, believe. Now. Notice this. For God did not destine us for wrath, but for gaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are alert or asleep, we will come to life together with Him. First, this usage of the word, quote, asleep, end quote, is not about a lack of attention. Secondly, it is not about nighttime sleep either. It is about being dead. This means, when we die, we are not dead in the normal sense of the word. We are instead asleep in Christ despite our lifeless state. Sleep, or asleep, simply means to be dead, to rest in the grave for a time. 
from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. Can you understand that those in Christ do not die as others do? Death is a state of sleep that no human can wake you from, but God can wake them and will do it. Scripture explains this. Now, we do not want to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so also we believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep as Christians. For we tell you this by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be suddenly caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. From 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Again, we see this pre-tribulation marker of being caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Whether we are alive at this time or we are asleep in Christ, in the grave, nonetheless, but only asleep. So, the only questions that remain that we should all ask ourselves are, 1. As this event, meeting the Lord in the air, may at any moment occur, why should we not be habitually sober-minded? 2. Why should we not aim to be always in that state of mind which we know would be appropriate to meet him? 3. What Christian can think it appropriate for them to go up to meet their Savior from the brilliant worldly party? Next week, we will finish our summer series. We will summarize things from all these episodes for clearer understanding of what this important series is telling us. We will see several things in this entire series that will help us further get a handle on this subject that we can all take home for ourselves. Join us next week for our final episode titled, The Rapture, A Mystery, A New Thing, Part 16. Our fall series will follow. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, 
and all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. So, you should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sunday's U.S. East Coast time zone. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh, many sooner than others. Our website is located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.